This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Have you ever been asked to pay for a medically necessary treatment that's covered by OHIP? Maybe you've been told you could get it a lot faster if you cough up the cash. If that's the case, we want to hear from you. Also want to hear what you think of the prospect of that happening. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740, because it is happening a lot more than we might imagine. A report by the Ontario Health Coalition found 88 clinics in six provinces that are charging patients extra user fees and selling medically necessary services. In addition, they surveyed 400 patients about their experiences with user fees and 250 patients detailed extra charges they faced when they tried to get these services from private clinics. Now, private clinics, the clinics are private, but it's supposed to be a single-payer system where the government is uh, billed. But the charges were for everything ranging from MRIs to surgery, and the charges themselves were all over the map, sometimes many times more than uh, the doctors would have charged the system for that same service. So uh, we want to drill down into this. We want to hear from you. And right now, let's go to Natalie Mera, who is the executive director of the Ontario Health Coalition and the author of the report. Natalie, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, well, first of all, uh, did these results surprise you? Well, we've been getting complaints, uh, you know, over in recent years, we've been getting more and more and more complaints, particularly in Ontario about cataract surgeries, where people have told us that they're being billed for all kinds of things. So we knew that um, that these fees were happening. We just needed to quantify it in a way that, you know, was not just purely anecdotal, that actually show that the majority of the clinics are charging for um, services and providing medically necessary services and we suspect violations of the Canada Health Act all across the country and then also we wanted to get first person person stories from patients and patients are you know it's hard to get them to speak up publicly because they're afraid of naming their doctors and of you know rocking the boat publicly so um so this was a way to to do to sort of quantify and 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 make sort of indisputable what we knew was happening kind of quietly behind the scenes. Okay, well, uh, just I, I've been going through the report, and it's it's really quite interesting. And, and what you did was that you had volunteers pose as potential patients and call clinics and ask about how to access surg- uh, services. Um, I, I don't know if anybody would characterize that as entrapment, but you mentioned... Um, 
uh, cataract surgery. So I'd just like to go to one case that you detail here. Uh, this was a phone call made uh, November 29th, uh, and it says, uh, what do you need to get cataract surgery for my grandmother? said, you need a referral, and she needs an OHIP card. There's OHIP coverage, but she would have to find a hospital surgeon. And um, the clinic then said that she would have to pay with partial OHIP coverage, and she said she'd have to get premium lenses, which are $1,645 per eye, and also facility fees, post-op fees, and care fees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I don't think it's entrapment. I mean, the bottom line is that Canada has laws um, that are very clear, and, and they they provide for equal health care for all. They say that um, all Canadians have the right to access care based on need and not how wealthy you are. And so the idea is that judge and janitor would share the same hospital ward, and in that way, you know, the judges of Canada have an interest in having a high-quality hospital ward and, and, you know, ensuring that care is good. It's the principle of universal health care that we, you know, have an equitable system. It's a sort of, it, it, you know, lends itself to the notion that health care is a human right or access to care is a human right, and it should not be denied purely based on income. Okay, well, um, but, but there's, so, a, there's mm-hmm. a big uh, wait list in the public system. Right. Uh, which is why we have private clinics, but it's for the patient. It's uh, my understanding is that for insured services, it's supposed to be seamless. Whether you get your procedure in a private clinic or in a public hospital, uh, it's supposed to be covered. Right. Well, I, I don't actually agree that the reason we have private clinics is because of wait lists in the public system. Private clinics sprang up when there were actually not that many wait lists in the public system in some areas. Um, and they have grown when wait lists have gone down, and they've grown when wait lists have gone up. Private clinics have sprung up because there is a trend towards privatization and because some provincial governments are ideologically supportive of privatization of public services. But, but because private clinics take more resources per unit that they put out, they actually don't reduce wait times faster than, than you know, providing the same services in the public system. Actually, they reduce them more slowly, uh, and they take more resources to do it. So, you know, attaching the notion of private clinics to wait times is just purely false. What private clinics do is that they extra bill patients, and that's what we were showing in our report. You know, well, once well, you transfer the services yeah, from j- public and not-for-profit hospitals that exist for altruism to private for-profit clinics that exist to, you know, make money for their owners and operators, you see a difference in the type of medicine that is practiced and the, and the ethics of those of okay. those entities that are providing the services. N- Natalie, I just, I, I do have to uh, take a little bit of, of an issue with there. I think that uh, as a blanket statement, it's that's not necessarily um Correct, because I can tell you that personally, for instance, there have been times when I've been referred for imaging, say, to a private clinic or for a colonoscopy and never asked to pay extra for it. And uh, if I would have waited to get in at the hospital, it would have taken a lot longer, Uh, which is not to say, I mean, I think your report did some very important work uncovering some of these uh, 
well, uh, it looks like almost like uh, fraud. Uh, do they get around it by saying that the things you have to pay for at this private clinic are are not the insured service? So let me, let me just go back to you saying that I've said something incorrect because I haven't. Um, what I've said is that if you put $1,000 of resources in the public health care system and it costs in the public health care system $250 per MRI or $300 per MRI, and if you put that $1,000 in the private system and that clinic is billing the public system $300 per MRI and billing the patient $700 per MRI, so you're now being charged in total uh, $1,000 per MRI, then you're... I'm saying that all, not all private clinics money. will charge the the patient. They're not the ones. They're not all breaking the law. No, but what we found in our report is that the majority, the vast majority of the private clinics, are actually um, billing OHIP and billing patients on top, uh, and they are actually breaking the law. And we found that consistently in this report in uh, 2017. We found it in a report that we did in 2014. We found it in a report that we did in 2008. So, you know, the evidence is that private clinics generally, by and large, are actually extra billing patients for services, and they do it in a variety of ways. You ask, um, are they charging for medically necessary services? Some of them are charging outright for the cataract surgery, for example, um, and, or for the MRI. Some of them are commingling uncovered services with covered services. So, um, so as to sort of try and get around the Canada Health Act. So people report going for a colonoscopy. The colonoscopy is covered, but they're told that they have to get a nutritionist. They have to do a nutritionist visit for $600 um, in order to get the colonoscopy. So that's commingling. And it is also unlawful to, to require someone to get something medically unnecessary in order to get the necessary service. In the cataract surgery clinics in Ontario, what we're finding is that there's a lot of manipulation going on. Patients feel that they can't, that they reported to us in the surveys at large numbers, the majority of them, that they couldn't get their surgery or they couldn't get um, the procedures that they needed done if they didn't pay um, $100 for extra eye measurements or 1000 to 2000 or $5,000 or more even for uh, special lenses or just for the cataract surgery. So there's a variety of things going on there. Part of it is that um, people are told that, you know, it's implied that the OHIP covered service is substandard somehow and people, you know, their vision won't be as good or, or their outcomes might be worse. That's just not the truth. And your listeners should know that everything that is required to go with cataract surgery, that is your pre-testing, the surgery itself and so on, your records, all administration to do with it, that is all covered by OHIP. You should not face any fees whatsoever for that. And the physicians are compensated handsomely for those procedures. And so there's no reason for people to be extra billed for those. And uh, people have absolutely have the right to say no, and they have the right to go to another doctor and get the service covered. They have the right to get it in their public hospital for no charge at all. Right. But what do you say to people um, in this particular case, which you outline, uh, they said, well, uh, you would only have to wait one to two months to get it at this clinic, and it would take a year in a public hospital. Were they, uh, were they misstating the wait list? Well, it's hard to tell. You know, um, there is, you can check 
actually, and see as a patient, you can go online to um, Ontario Wait Times. The government has set up a Wait Times website. You can check for your procedures. So say you're looking up cataract surgeries, and you can check all the hospitals near you or every hospital in Ontario and and see. Um, You know, in a number of cases, physicians, you know, are referring to their own private clinics. Um, And so... Um, so they have a vested interest in obviously referring the patient to where they can, where they're billing more um, for the procedure. Uh, so yeah, there are definite suspicions, although we didn't look into that in the report uh, about people overstating the wait times. And certainly, the Globe and Mail uh, story uh, on the front page on Saturday found, you know, misstatement of of wait times in the public system in order to drive patients to the private system. So where it they would, were being extra billed. It would be uh, it would be a good idea that before you uh, decide to do anything like this uh, because of a wait time, check the wait time. Um, let's go uh, right to the phones. We've got Joan in North York. Hi, Joan. Hello. 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 Sorry. Yes, I just wanted to talk about um, my rheumatologist referred me to a pain clinic in North York. I went to the pain clinic, and um, he had suggested um, one of medication. He said, if that doesn't work, there is um, a government-sponsored um, for marijuana, uh, what do you call it? medical marijuana just upstairs if you want to make an appointment. I went there, I made an appointment, and um, I had to pay an extra $30 on top of the OHIP fee, and this is supported by the Ontario government. And when I went to see this doctor, I couldn't even breathe in his office. It was so full of incense and <laughs> oh, everything. Dear. But he wouldn't talk to me. He sent me to, got me to talk to some person that had a piece of paper and how you would take it. But I'm just wondering, why would the Ontario government support a clinic for medical marijuana and have the doctors paying extra? I said, maybe I can go to another doctor and you know, speak more. Well, that'll be another $30 on top of your, this third, every time you go, you have to pay $30. So is this what the Wynn government is supporting now? Um, I, I, I'm i not sure. Um, I'm not sure. I'm, uh, I don't know. Natalie, have you heard of that? No, you know, that's news to me. I, I, um, I, I would be suspicious about that. I, I don't think that they've suspicious. actually moved forward with um, anything concrete on, you know, clinics for medical marijuana. I thought that they were still deciding how they would distribute it. Well, so, usually it, it legal so. medical marijuana uh, has to be distributed by mail, but you need a prescription from a doctor still. Um, I don't know. I mean, if, uh, a little as of a little while ago, wasn't that easy to get it? So uh, some of these, you know, cannabis places have doctors who will just give give you a script easily. Um, uh, so I don't I don't know if it has something to do with that, but you should be able to get a prescription for medical marijuana from your regular doctor. Mm-hmm. Your rheumatologist could have given it to you, and uh, the way it still stands, you have to get it through the mail. And yes, you get the actual. Yeah. So, medicine. but the thing was to go to a clinic that is supported by the Ontario government. Um, that they are charging $30 extra on top of OHIP for me to get. Well, you know what? That's the part that I'm doubting is not, I don't think that that clinic 
is likely supported by, as I understand it, the government was still making a decision about how to distribute beyond what Libby is saying. So I, I think that there's something wrong with the information there. Joan, I think you the know, thing Joan, is, you should Joan, look it up. If I can yes, give you the, yeah, Joan, on Duncan Road in North York. Okay, Joan, and, Joan, please. Uh, um, what it, I would appreciate it if you do is uh, if you call back and give our producer, Dave, the details about that clinic. Since we don't know exactly what's going on, maybe we don't want to have that on the air right away, and we can <laughs> look into it afterwards. But uh, as, as both of us said, uh, something doesn't sound right there, so we've got to check it out. Yeah, okay, I'd appreciate it. I just want to talk about it because... Anyway, so thanks for listening to okay, me. Okay, thanks. Thank uh, you. Let's, uh, let's go to uh, Tom in Burlington. Hello, Tom. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. your show. Thank you. Um, you know, I was listening to your segment here, and, you know, my wife has been sick for the past six years, and I've been on your show repeatedly. And uh, just to touch base with that lady who was just on, not every doctor will make you a prescription for medical marijuana. You do have to go to a specialist for that. So a regular practitioner will not fill out a, a prescription for medical marijuana. But heading forward, as far as all these ophthalmologists and, you know, the extra fees and whatnot, the number one, as they put it, scammers on OHIP are ophthalmologists. My wife was seeing an ophthalmologist, and I'm telling you, there was people in there when they told us to bring a lunch, they weren't kidding. And they, they are five or six people booked per segment. And when my wife had her cataracts done, yes, there was extra billing. And then when she had to get her laser cleanup done at the hospital, he was an hour and a half late. And the nurses had said, he's on waivers again. OHIP is watching him. They, OHIP knows who the doctors are that are billing extra. Why doesn't OHIP do anything? You know what? My buddy of mine, his brother was a pediatrician. They said he was scamming. They forced him to go to the U.S., but he was good. He wasn't scamming, and they know that the ophthalmologists are scamming their times. They've got people booked in. If you go to one of these major clinics, there's like 100 people in there, Okay, okay. they don't care. Tom, Tom, hold on, hold on there. So we can't say that they're all scamming because I'm sure they're not all scamming, and having overbooking, I'm not sure that's a violation. Extra billing is... And um, I'm going to give Natalie a chance to answer because I have that question, too. How do they get away with it, Natalie? Yeah, I get your frustration, Tom. Uh, You know, we hear from people who are stunned at the amount of money that they're being charged. And and they've already paid in their taxes for these services, and they should be provided, covered under OHIP. Um, We've raised this issue with the Minister of Health. I I think that the current Minister of Health is very sympathetic, and wants to protect single-tier public Medicare. Uh, I think he's a, he's a doctor himself, and he's well, very well-intended, I think. The problem is that um, there's a lot of pressure from um, the clinic owners and from the doctors not to clamp down. And, um, and so we have to provide countervailing pressure from patients and from advocates to say, no, you can't just continue to turn a blind eye here. The, these, these charges are out of control, and you have to clamp down. Um, you know, it's just, it's a question of pol- political will at this point. OIB, you know, you're absolutely right. You know what's going on. Uh, and it's about, fo- you know, forcing the government to actually uphold its own laws and protect patients against 
uh, against these practices. Is is there is there a problem that that be, because there are self regulating bodies, the colleges, or is this strictly um, OHIP not paying attention? No, no, the government knows um, that it's happening. And, you know, as I say, we've we've provided the evidence multiple times and we're, we're doing it again now. Um, but we've done it this time with patients. And I think, you know, trying to amplify the voices of patients that are being impacted really uh, makes the difference. People who are pensions are facing, you know, are, are, are not having enough money to live for the month as a result of these fees. That's how far they've gone now. Um, and the minister has to start to listen. It is absolutely the responsibility of the provincial government under the Canada Health Act and by by Ontario law as well the uh, commitment to the future of Medicare Act um, that uh, that 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 physicians and and, and uh, clinics are not allowed to bill patients for medically necessary services and they're not you know they're they can't commingle services to, in order to try and get around that and that's really where the minister has to clamp down and stop them from doing it. You know, there's 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 something else that that they do, and uh, this is uh, for uninsured services. This 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 has happened to me. I occasionally get these shots in my knees. They're very expensive. They're five hundred bucks a shot. I'm sure that includes a lot of profit. But mm-hmm. um, when I went to a sports medicine doctor to get these shots, and believe me, they don't take three minutes. Um, they bill OHIP for for a uh, visit, and I'm thinking, why should they be billing OHIP for a three minute visit? That's going to cost me a thousand bucks. Yeah, well, I think what's happening there is they bill for the consultation, and then they're charging you probably for the medication in the shot, right? Well, it's exactly, kind of like but a, I'm just saying that yeah. that's, that doesn't seem right to me. The, the mm-hmm. shots are not covered for a good reason because uh, there's not good evidence that they work. And, okay. and uh, the, whoever is giving me the shot is making a big profit on it. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, it is patients who are elderly often or sick, Yeah, you know, and unable to work and in need of surgery or in need of a diagnostic test or in need of of um you know some some sort of treatment that are ending up paying and um and you know these it's the issue is not compensation i mean physicians are well compensated there's no question about that so to the extent that the issue is wait times what we're saying is look we've we've done two decades of experiments with with private clinics now in Canada, and it's not working. Governments are not able to regulate them, or they're not regulating them. And um, and and these user fees are more prolific than ever. They're higher than ever, and um, so it's time now to build capacity in our local public hospitals. And what that means is that governments have to get back to the business of measuring and trying to meet population need for healthcare. It's the first job of a public healthcare system. And, you know, in the, the last couple of decades, it's been all but abandoned and it needs to happen because people really are suffering as a result of this. But, you know, in private clinics, they're suffering because they have to pay in, in both. They're, they're suffering because they have to wait too long for needed care. And, uh, and this is a question of health system planning of adopting innovations that we know work in order to improve weightless management and improve the wait times. And, you know, it's been done. We've seen it done. It's done across Canada and in other places. Uh, And while the health system continues to serve 
millions of Canadians incredibly well, and we should be very proud of it. This is happening around the edges, and it's hurting people. Okay, let's uh, let's take a call from Donna in Niagara Falls. Hi, Donna. Hello. Hello, you're on the air. First time caller. Okay, wait a minute. Oh, our ding, ding, ding isn't ready today. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Donna. Hello? Yesterday. Sorry? I was at the ophthalmologist, a surgeon yesterday. Yes. And I had to pay that $400. For? For the upgraded measurement program that they say is way better than what is covered by OHIP. Really? Wow. I paid it because, you know, I don't want to take a chance. It's one surgery, so I paid it. Should I have? Natalie? Well, I don't want to, I mean, I I completely understand why you paid it. It's your eyes, and... um, and if a doctor is telling you that it's it's going to be way better and, and implies that you're going to have poor outcomes if you don't pay it, of course you're going to pay it, even if it causes hardship. But no, you yeah. didn't need to pay it, it is the bottom line. And uh, if you have your receipts, we'll help get your money back. And when I have the surgery, it's going to be, well, approximately one year from my first appointment, actually about 13 months. Wow. And then when I have the surgery, I have to pay $70 per eye per new lens that's better than what OHIP covers. She used the word, well, it's like the difference between regular TV and HDTV. I said, well, I have no idea because I don't watch TV. I have no <laughs> idea what she meant. But I pay, I'm going to pay it anyway. $70. Well, you know what? All I can say is it that, that's a lot less than some of the cases that yes. Natalie found, but but still. I, I heard something about $1,600, and I thought, okay, I'm not going to complain about $70, but is this but normal? Just so you know, Donna, like everything that you actually need for cataract surgery, for good outcomes from cataract surgery, including for measurements and for, you know, lenses and all the rest of it, is covered by OHIP. You, you don't need to pay anything extra to have a good outcome from a cataract surgery, just so you know. I mean, if you want yeah, to pay well, for operated lenses, that's a different thing, but uh, just I just want to make sure that you're clear on that. Uh, those That measurement thing sort of slays me, $400. To- it only took, like, I'm going to say, if it took um, 120 seconds, I'd be surprised. And that's one of the things, you know, with with cataract surgery is that, uh, you know, the, the I know the government has wanted to adjust the amount they pay for this because with the lasers they have now, it's so quick. they You can be in and out like a factory with all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and, then the, and then the third hardship is you have to get someone to drive you, stay with you the whole time through all the waiting periods. And then take you home. Then you have to be back at the doctor's office at five o'clock that night. Well, that's uh, that's that's. Uh, I'm I'm assuming that's medically necessary. Uh, Donna, tell me, yeah, is, but, is, but is people can't afford to take off a whole day of work to do that for somebody? Yeah, it's it the it's it's tough. Uh, do the four hundred dollars was that a hardship for you? Well, I paid it. I mean, it it's it's there, you know. I did it. Uh-huh. I, you know, I'll just do without something. But you I have to do what. you have to do without something though. Something, yeah. Um 
probably over a period of time less groceries. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have TV and I don't have cable, so I save a lot of money that way. So I, I'll make do. But it was my eyes, and I was supposed to go on a long distance uh, cross country journey because uh, I haven't been on a vacation since 1980, and. I had to cancel it because they said I couldn't drive that far. Well, uh, I hope I hope your eyesight uh, gets better. I'm very sorry to hear that. That yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I was trying to listen to other people to get their viewpoint, but I guess I don't know. I was trying to listen to what other people were saying, but I couldn't hear whether they were saying yes or no. But um, like they kind of put you on a spot, and you think, oh, this is my eyes. Well, exactly. They put you on the spot. Donna, thank you very much for sharing your story. And thank, thank you for taking my call. Have a great day. Okay, bye-bye. Bye now. Okay, um, Natalie, uh, we're running out of time on this segment. Uh, what would you like to leave us with, and, and what would you say about Donna's experience? Uh, I find it heartbreaking, actually, and, and frustrating, because I think Donna Donna is very reflective of of many of the patients that we surveyed and we did we in the end we got 250 patients who detailed instances where they've been charged for um, services that they should have received for free because they've already paid their taxes Donna too and of course now people are scared into having to buy stuff that they don't need that is unnecessary um, and I think it's manipulative and it's wrong and it needs to be stopped okay I think that sums it up. Uh, Natalie Mara (laughs) with the Ontario Health Coalition, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.